Hi, this is Anson Williams, and you're listening to the amazing TV Confidential. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Tom Dreesen. And for the past 13 years, in 45 to 50 cities a year, I've been traveling all over this nation as the opening act for Frank Sinatra. And uh, tonight is by far the most exciting night of them all, because tonight I'm finally going to get a chance to meet him. Ed Robertson along with Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, and our guest Tom Dreesen. Tom Dreesen, entertainment legend, a true pioneer in the world of comedy, and the longtime opening act for Frank Sinatra and Stanley Davis Jr. Tom Dreesen, of course, a fixture on late-night television for more than four decades, including 60 appearances on The Tonight Show and many, many, many appearances on The Late Show with David Letterman. David Letterman wrote the foreword to Tom's memoir, Still Standing. Still Standing, my journey from streets and saloons to the stage and Sinatra, the story of Tom Dreesen's life and career, available wherever books are sold through Amazon.com and Simon & Schuster. You can follow Tom Dreesen on Facebook, Twitter, and his website, TomDreesen.com. Donna? I, I enjoyed the stories, but I also enjoyed the life lessons you learn from the people you've encountered during your life, be it family members or uh, celebrities you've worked with. Any, it seems that you just built your career on, on this advice and continued to move forward. Was there any particular pieces of advice that have stood out that, I don't know, something you live by, something that has helped you maintain the amazing career you've had? Yeah, you know, first of all, I had a girl, Donna was her name. Since she left me, I've never been the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know people have done that to you for years, huh, Donna? Yeah. So, anyhow, um, the, the, yes, there's so many things that I could tell you. Frank Sinatra taught me, um, Sammy Davis Jr., you know, Sammy Davis Jr. Excuse me, had a sign in his dressing room that he couldn't pay heed to, but I, I never forgot it. It said, I don't know the meaning of success, but I do know the meaning of failure. It's when I try to make everybody love me. And you can't do that if you're a bartender, a truck driver, a bricklayer, and especially an entertainer. You know, he tried every night to make everybody in that audience love him, but you can't do it. And as great as he was... He couldn't, he, you know, he can never make everybody love you. Yeah. So that's part of the, 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 one of the lessons that he taught me. He was an incredibly generous guy who always wanted to help new entertainers and give you advice and counsel. And to pass that on, every knowledge that he, he had learned from other entertainers, he watched others and he gleaned from them. And he was more than willing to pass on what he learned to you and to other entertainers. So I... I that I learned from him. And, and Frank Sinatra is that his philanthropic endeavors and his benevolence, you know, that, uh, and I tell this story in the book, so many stories about him, but, but that at the time we were coming out of the Waldorf Astoria and uh, we went out the back way heading to a gig. Frank couldn't go out the front way, he'd be mobbed. And there a woman, we were getting in the limo, security was putting us in the limo, and a woman. Uh, came out of the doorway, and the doorman told me she'd been hiding there for five hours. And she started screaming, Mr. Sinatra, please, Mr. Sinatra, please, please. And security turned around, and they stopped her, and she kept hollering, please, Mr. Sinatra. And so he got out of the limo, and he said, what is it? He went up to her. She said, my husband is home sick, and if I could get an autograph from you, it would mean the world to him. He's terribly, terribly ill. And Frank said, sure, and he's sending the autograph, and she said, oh, what beautiful cufflinks. 
and he said, thank you. And he finished the autograph, and he took the cufflinks off, and he gave them to her. They were a couple thousand dollars worth. They were really expensive cufflinks. I, I know where he got them at, but but that's another story. But he gave them to her and said, give these to your husband. She said, no, no, no. I, I, I was just admiring them. I didn't want them. He said, no, I want you to give these to your husband. Now, we got in the limo. I said, Frank, that was beautiful. But why did you do that? He said, Tommy, if you possess something that you can't give away, then you don't possess it. It possesses you. And I, it was a lesson that I never forgot. He said, it's okay if somebody tells you that, gee, I like your your Mercedes-Benz or whatever. Uh, he said, uh, and you don't give it to them. But when you're home shaving, looking in the mirror, you've got to admit to yourself, to that guy in the mirror, that that car owns you because you can't give it away. Mm. So nothing you have is yours, he told me. The, he told me, he said, Aristotle Onassis, the multi-multi-billionaire, had mansions, had yachts, had private planes. The second he died, that all transferred. He said none of it was his we're just using it. And he not only talked that talk, he walked that talk. You could not say to him if you were his, his friend, gee, that's a nice watch, he'd take it off and give it to you. You can say, oh, what a beautiful painting, he'd take it off the wall and hand it to you. His friends had to be very careful around him. Huh? Those are the kind of things, you know, that, and, 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 and show business. He taught me the show is the most important thing. You want to party all night long, party, have fun, but not showtime. You don't fool with showtime. You know, in, in the book you, you read, I once said, why do we wear tuxedos? during the shows with him. He said, Tommy, if we were going to do a show for the king and the queen, would we not wear a tuxedo for royalty? And I said, well, yeah, sure. He said, that garage mechanic in Detroit and his wife, who's a waitress, who work all year long to get enough money to buy two tickets to our show, they're just as much royalty as the king and the queen. And that's why we wear tuxedos every night. Little things like that. You know. Tom Dreesen is on the line with us. Tom Dreesen, longtime opening act for Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and a fixture on late night television for more than four decades. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Tom's memoir. Uh, still standing, available wherever books are sold through Simon & Schuster. Also, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Still standing, not only filled with great stories of Tom's years performing with Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and other showbiz legends, but, and this is what I love about the book, Tom, you don't just drop names. You give your readers a glimpse of who these people were as people. Well, you know, you know that, that, by the way, it always I wince when people say drop names because it sounds like a name dropper. And, of course, that has a negative connotation. But, and, and I'll accept that. But if, if I close my eyes, if I close my eyes, no matter where I was, when I was on emceeing Ellis Island or at Ellis Island, or working with Frank Sinatra, going out on stage with Frank or Sammy, wherever I was, Vegas, Tahoe, Reno, Atlantic City, and these great moments in my life, if I closed my eyes, I would see a little boy with a shoeshine box trudging through the snow, going tavern to tavern, trying to get money to feed his brothers and sisters. I'm only a heartbeat away from that little boy. And that's what I wanted the book to be like, from that little boy's perception. You know, so those names, those people that I met in my career, these were people I saw in the movies when I was a little boy in Harvey at the Harvey Theater, and back in Harvey, Illinois. You know the Gregory Pecks and the Kirk Douglases and the and the Jack Lemons and the Clint Eastwoods and and these people that Frank introduced me to brought me into this rarefied air, and who later became friends of mine. You know that's how I wanted I wanted the people who read the book to put themselves in that little boy's shoes who were saying, "Oh my God, look where I'm at, and look who I'm talking to." And look who I'm on stage with. If, if CBS, NBC, ABC, if they never, ever 
like Tom Dreesen, the comedian, <clears throat> it wouldn't bother me because Sammy Davis Jr. thought enough of my performance that he said, come with me and perform on the same stage with me. Dean Martin did the same thing, put me on his show, and that Frank Sinatra said, come fly with me, you know, and grace the same stage with me. <laughs> you can close the lid on my coffin now because you know, I'm, I'm a live performer. And if you played a word association game with me when I was growing up, if you said love, I'd say mom. If you said baseball, I'd say Chicago Cubs. If you said show business, I said Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. To me, they were show business. And that all three of them said, you know, you can be on the same stage with me. I'm, I'm as happy as I can be. All my prayers were answered. What, what a touch on something you, you said a little while ago. You know, what, one of the takeaways from the story about why you and Sinatra always wore tuxedos is, is it's the way you approach the audience. You approach the audience as if they were royalty. Now, you being a live performer, you've had, you've had good audiences and you've had not-so-good audiences. What, what to you is the difference between a good audience and a, and a not-so-good audience? Well, <laughs> for, for the comedian, if you're laughing, you're a great audience. <laughs> 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 you in here, you know. I think it was um, Al Jolson who said in a book years ago, there's no such thing as a bad audience, only a bad performer. Al Jolson's full of it. I met a lot of bad audiences. <laughs> but, you know, you know, some nights, you know, now this may be a terrible analogy, but I don't think so when you, when you think about it. I've always said for a comedian, for a performer, you know, performing, it's a lot like when you go out in the audience, it's a lot like sex. There's some nights that I was really, really good and the audience wasn't. And there were other nights the audience was really, really good and I wasn't. But some nights were both good at the same time. And when that happens, it's magic for a, a, a performer. And especially for a comedian, when you write your own material and you've written some material and now you're going out there and, and, and this is new and it works. It works. It, it, because you're an artist. A lot of artists that are painters, they may never find out if their artistry is any good till years after they're dead. <laughs> their art may not sell till after they're dead. We find out instantly in our art. And so it's, I always say stand-up comedy is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You know, when it works, there's no describing it. When it doesn't work, there's no describing that low feeling either. And for me, to, see, to, for one thing, I've been performing for over 50 years, but there's nothing like opening for Frank Sinatra. And I, I think you've heard this analogy. I'll do it real quick. This is what it was like opening for Frank Sinatra in 20,000-seat arenas, and in Hawaii, 40,000 seats. But 20,000-seat arenas for 14 years when I worked with them, it's five minutes before showtime, and I say Frank or Donna or, T or Tony. It's five minutes before you go on. There's 20,000 people out there, and they're in a huge arena, and you're in the round. They're all around you. They're behind you. They're on your sides and in front of you because you're in, in the middle of them. There's 20,000 people out there, and I want you to go out there, Frank, and for the next 45 minutes, I want you to hold their attention. Oh, one more thing, Frank. I want you to hold their attention, but I want you to make them laugh for the next 45 minutes. Oh, one more thing, Frank. I want you to hold their attention and make them laugh, but I want you to make them laugh when you want them to laugh. I want you to pull the strings on the emotions of 20,000 people. No props, no tricks, no charts, no special arrangement, no special orchestra, nothing, just you and 20,000 people. And one more thing, Frank, not one of them came to see you. <laughs> <laughs> that's frightening. That's your, that's your assignment every night. But my point oh. of that is, when that works, when that works, there's no describing. There's a girl named Dana Winter who sings a song 
called One Moment in Time. Now, so did Whitney Houston. Yeah. But those lyrics, that one moment in time, you're standing in that wings at the night before the Tonight Show, and that's at one moment in time. And you're asking, you're saying, give me that one moment in time. You know, I, I laid my plans. Now I lay the chance here in my hands. Give me one moment in time. You know, and, and, when I, and, and the line is, when I'm more than I thought I could be, when all of my dreams are a heartbeat away and the answers are all up to me, that's that moment. You're behind that curtain on The Tonight Show, and 20,000 people are going to watch that, or 26 million people watch that show. Or you're in that wings, and 20,000 people are out there waiting for Frank Sinatra. And this is that moment in time. And all of my dreams are a heartbeat away. If I pull this off, you know, I, then I've accomplished what I set out to do. And, and, it's, and, and that's what's happened so many times in my career. And when you do it well, as you've done... So many times, not only for Sinatra, but for, you know, Sammy, prior to that, uh, Tom, when you do that well, you, you, you basically, it's like in, in a part of a baseball game when the pitcher hands off the ball to the, to the other pitcher coming in from the bullpen. You know, Sinatra is riding the wave of emotion and applause that you created for him so that he could just go seamlessly into his act. And you wouldn't stay with him if you didn't do your job. He was a stickler for that. So was Sammy. You know, when, you know a lot of people say, oh, yeah, it's who you know in show business. Who you know gets you in the door. What you, what you know keeps you in the house. You know, and, and what good is a break if you're not ready when the break comes? You know, and, and that's the key. I tell young comedians all the time, prepare, prepare, prepare. Because you never know when you're going to get that call. And in sports, they call that seize the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, that you, you know, in baseball... A guy's hitting 142. He's like 26th in, 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 on the team. He's going back down to the minors. He knows it's over. Uh, but something happens, an injury here, an injury there, and now he's up the bat, and the bases are loaded, and this is that moment in time. If he pulls this off, it's all going to be It's going to change his life. And if he doesn't pull it off, it's back to the minors you know, or back to Harvey, Illinois. <laughs> and, but that's, again, that's, that's what, what happens throughout anybody's career. Yeah. It, you know, you're going to have those moments and, and be ready. You know, I, I know actors in Hollywood. Now, right now, no one's acting. Then you better be going to acting classes, even if they're virtual classes, because you've got to mm -hmm. stay oiled. Somebody's going to call you up for a role, and you're, you haven't acted in seven months or a year and you think you're going to be sharp? I've been in this business over 50 years. Do you know where I go the moment I come off the road to the Laugh Factory? And I got up over at the comedy show recently before the COVID thing. I keep staying oiled. I, I, I keep writing new material and keep going out in front of young, young audiences, especially where I like to work the places like the Laugh Factory or the comedy store, is because in the audience is young black, young white, young Latino, young Asian. You know, the, the, I want to stay in touch with that audience. So, you know... Uh, Still, it's all about staying prepared. All about staying prepared. Still standing by Tom Dreesen. Available wherever books are sold through Simon & Schuster, Postal Press, and Amazon.com. You can follow Tom Dreesen on Facebook, Twitter, and his website, TomDreesen.com. Tom Dreesen will be back next week for part two of our conversation, among other things. Tom will give us some insight into how long it takes him to write a new routine and, and how long it takes for him to get it down before he feels ready to performing in front of an audience. We'll also ask which comedians influenced Tom early in his career and who makes Tom laugh today. That's part two of our conversation with Tom Dreesen coming up next week on TV Confidential. In the meantime, Tom mentioned earlier in our conversation that he was also the opening act for such artists as Gladys Knight and the Pips and Smokey Robinson, both Smokey Robinson 
and Gladys Knight and the Pips are two of the artists featured on the Soul of the Midnight Special. The Soul of the Midnight Special, brand new five DVD compilation from our friends at Time Life that features more than 70 live performances by the greatest soul singers of the 1970s, many of which have never been made available before. The Soul of the Midnight Special 5 DVD compilation now available wherever DVDs are sold through our friends at Time Life. We'll play more of our conversation with Ken Corday, executive producer of Days of Our Lives, when we come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit FrontPorchRealtyGroup.com for more information on how they can help you. 